Good morning, and welcome to Simply Politics. It's Thursday, February 29th. On today's show, we'll be discussing the two sessions, China's biggest political event of the year, as well as the tentative deal reached by congressional leaders to avoid a government shutdown, but with Ukraine aid still in question. Plus, concerns are rising among Biden officials about a potential Israeli incursion into Lebanon. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Politics. We start off with China's biggest political event of the year, the two sessions set to take place amidst economic and political uncertainty. Thousands of political elites and lawmakers will attend meetings of the top political advisory body and legislature. The focus this year is expected to be on how Beijing interprets and plans to address issues like the rapidly aging population and deflationary risks. Here to discuss this further is Bella, a correspondent for Simply Politics. Can you tell us more about what we should expect from these sessions? Certainly, David. The two sessions are a significant event in China's political calendar. Premier Li will present a work report outlining the economic performance of the past year, including the closely watched GDP growth rate, and set out the new growth target, policy agenda, and budgets for the year ahead. The work report, budget, and other bills in the legislative session will be deliberated and generally rubber-stamped in the days that follow. What are the key issues that are likely to be discussed during these sessions? One of the key issues is China's aging population and shrinking workforce, a result of the notorious one-child policy from the late 1970s. Analysts are expecting China to set a similar target growth rate of 5% for the coming year. However, the policy tools the government will use to achieve this, such as fiscal stimulus or structural reform, remain to be seen. Defense spending will also be closely watched, especially given the rising tensions over Taiwan and the South China Sea. And what about the role of Premier Li in these sessions? Premier Li's role has been somewhat diminished compared to previous premiers. This is especially the case after China's cabinet amended its work rules to focus on the implementation of party decisions. However, Li's policy address and press conference will provide more insight into his role and style. What about foreign affairs? Will they be a focus during these sessions? While the focus of the two sessions is largely domestic, the foreign minister's briefing will set the tone for diplomacy. Beijing is expected to avoid antagonism ahead of key elections in the West and emphasize stability as it seeks to improve the business confidence of foreign investors. Relations with the U.S., which have improved since last year, could also be discussed. Are there any other uncertainties or potential surprises we should be aware of? Yes, there are a few. For instance, the third plenary session of the Central Committee, the party's biggest decision-making body, usually takes place in autumn, shedding light on the economic direction and key appointments ahead of the two sessions. However, it has not been held this year, and observers suggest that could be because there are decisions pending over a purge of military officials and the foreign minister's sacking. We'll have to wait and see what announcements are made during the legislative meeting. Thanks for that report, Bella. In other political news, congressional leaders announced on Wednesday that they have reached a tentative agreement 
to prevent a government shutdown for now, just days before the end-of-the-week deadline that risked closing some federal operations. Here to discuss this further is James, a correspondent for Simply Politics. Can you tell us more about this agreement? Certainly, David. Under the new plan, Congress would temporarily fund one set of federal agencies through March 8th and another set through March 22. During this time, Congress will attempt to pass packages of legislation to fund the government for the remainder of the budget year. However, there is currently no immediate plan to approve the $95 billion emergency national security funds for Ukraine, Israel, and other allies. What are the next steps for this agreement to be implemented? The House and Senate will now need to vote and approve the deal with its temporary funds ahead of Friday's deadline when some federal monies run out. Congressional leaders have expressed their commitment to work in a bipartisan manner to fund the government. What has been the response from the White House? White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre has stated that the agreement reached would help prevent a needless federal shutdown. President Joe Biden convened leaders on Tuesday in hopes of pushing them toward a deal. What are the implications if this agreement is not reached? Congress is in a cycle of threatened shutdowns and disruptions, as hard-right Republicans strive for steeper spending reductions than Democrats and some other Republicans are willing to accept. This would be the fourth short-term funding extension in about a five-month span. Without funding by Friday, thousands of government employees could be furloughed and federal government offices and services could be temporarily shuttered or unavailable. What are the specific bills that are part of this agreement? Congressional leaders said they reached an agreement on six bills that will adhere to spending levels previously agreed to last year. These bills involve Veterans Affairs and Departments of Agriculture, Transportation, Interior, and others, and will be voted on and enacted before March 8th. The remaining six bills for the Pentagon, Homeland Security, Health and Human Services, and the State Department still need to be finalized, voted on and enacted before March 22nd. What is the status of the $95 billion emergency national security funds for Ukraine and other allies? The Senate overwhelmingly approved the $95 billion supplemental request earlier this month that includes $60 billion for Ukraine as its military runs short of munitions to fight Russian President Vladimir Putin. However, there is currently no immediate plan to approve these funds. Thanks for your insights, James. Now, shifting our focus to international affairs, American administration and intelligence officials are expressing concern over a potential Israeli ground incursion into Lebanon. The operation could be launched in late spring or early summer if diplomatic efforts fail to push Hezbollah back from the northern border with Israel. Here to discuss this further is Abby, a correspondent for Simply Politics. Can you tell us more about the situation? Certainly, David. The Biden administration is operating under the assumption that an Israeli military operation could occur in the coming months. This concern is so acute that it has made its way into intelligence briefings for senior administration officials. The ongoing cross-border strikes between Israel and Hezbollah have displaced tens of thousands of residents from their homes. What are the diplomatic efforts being made to prevent this potential incursion? The Biden administration is leading discussions with Israeli and Lebanese officials to create a buffer zone inside southern Lebanon. If successful, 
this could postpone an Israeli incursion. However, there are differing opinions within the Israeli government about the need to go into Lebanon. Some see it as a threat they can utilize, while others view it as a military necessity. What could be the potential consequences of such an incursion? A ground incursion could lead to a major escalation, the proportions of which are currently unknown. Some 80,000 Israelis have already been displaced from the north since October. Israel has been bombing deeper into Lebanon with strikes coming within 27 miles of the capital, Beirut. There are fears that this could grow into an expansive air campaign reaching much further north into populated areas of Lebanon and eventually include a ground component. What is the U.S.'s role in this situation? The White House has appointed Special Envoy Amos Hochstein to lead the efforts aimed at finding a diplomatic solution. Hochstein has been shuttling regularly to both countries, having discussions complicated by the fact that the U.S. does not engage directly with Hezbollah. The U.S. has also told Israel to scale back its strikes on the U.S.-supported Lebanese army. What are the potential outcomes of these negotiations? If Hochstein successfully negotiates a standoff arrangement, the probability of a military operation later this year would decline considerably. However, even if there is a temporary truce, Israeli officials say that would not solve the problem. A ground incursion would give Israel a chance to destroy Hezbollah's physical infrastructure in the south, slowing a future return to the border area. How are the internal politics in Israel influencing this situation? Many argue that Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has an interest in extending the fighting. An end to the conflicts could bring about the end of his government. Once quiet is restored, questions about Netanyahu's failure to protect Israel on October 7th will likely resurface. Israel has been eager to demonstrate its military capabilities, taking journalists to see live fire exercises in the Golan Heights near Lebanon. Thanks for your insights, Abby. Now, shifting our focus to the southern U.S. border, it's set to host two presidents today, both past and present. Joe Biden and his predecessor, Donald Trump, will tour different sectors of the Texas border, each spelling out their contrasting arguments on the ongoing immigration crisis. This spectacle underscores the polarized politics that have long hindered efforts to fix the broken immigration system. Michael, our correspondent for Simply Politics, is here to delve deeper into this. What can you tell us about these visits? Well, David, both presidents are using this opportunity to highlight their respective stances on immigration a topic that's become central to the upcoming November elections. Trump will be visiting Eagle Pass, a location that's been a focal point in the border showdown between the Biden administration and Texas Republican Governor Greg Abbott. His narrative paints a picture of a nation under siege from migrant criminals and invaders, a rhetoric he hopes will propel him back to the presidency. On the other hand, Biden, who's been on the defensive over the border for much of his term, will visit Brownsville. His visit follows his adoption of tougher rhetoric and policies, and he hopes to turn the tables on Republicans, including Trump. So it seems like both presidents are using these visits to further their political agendas. But what about the actual immigration crisis? How does this spectacle address the real issues at hand? That's a great point, David. The reality is that these visits are unlikely to have any significant impact on the flow of desperate people fleeing economic deprivation, environmental disasters, 
drug and gang violence, and political persecution. The failure of democracies to tackle immigration is ironically creating the conditions for demagogues like Trump and European populists to exploit the issue in a way that further weakens those democracies. And what about Biden's decision to visit the border? It seems like a risky move considering the criticism he's faced over his handling of the immigration crisis. Indeed, it's a gamble. Biden's visit to the border is a symbol of one of his most glaring political vulnerabilities. However, it's also a step that epitomizes a more aggressive campaign strategy designed to repair weaknesses in his electoral coalition. His team believes that the derailment of the immigration bill gives him an opening to criticize the GOP. The president is expected to use his upcoming State of the Union address to chide GOP lawmakers for failing to act to end the border crisis. And how has Trump responded to Biden's decision to visit the border? Trump, who's used to having a monopoly on political gamesmanship over immigration, seems irritated by Biden's move. He accused Biden of only visiting the border because he himself is doing so, labeling the president as a chaser. However, Biden, who seems to enjoy poking his rival, simply responded that he had planned his visit for Thursday and was unaware that Trump would be going. It's clear that immigration is a complex issue with no easy solutions. But how are the American people reacting to the president's handling of the crisis? A recent CNN poll showed that just 30% of Americans approve of Biden's performance on the issue. And 79% of voters, including majorities across party lines, say that the situation on the border represents a crisis. High levels of interceptions of border crossers deeply worry many voters. However, the White House and Biden campaign officials see a unique opportunity for Biden to point the finger at Republicans on border security. Thank you for that analysis, Michael. As we can see, the immigration issue will continue to be a major talking point in the lead up to the November elections. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Politics. We'll see you back here tomorrow. <laughs>